0: Serpent acknowledgement, serpent worship, and everything a good thing? Uh, along that line was was literally uh, universal the world over. So...
1: That was a they, good
0: thing. Yeah, they wouldn't have had any real reason to find that out of the ordinary. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> well...
1: You know, that would explain how the serpent got in the garden (laughs) undetected and probably may be invited. Who knows?
2: Uh
0: Well, um, yeah, in reading through the email, uh, this is one of the things that you know, so oftentimes doesn't get understood. Your definition of demon, circa twelve hundred, mm-hmm. an evil spirit, malignant supernatural being, an incubus, a devil, from the Latin daemon, spirit, from the Greek deity, divine power, lesser god, guiding spirit, uh, tutelary deity. Um, you know, understanding what one is referencing when they use the term or mm-hmm. in this case the New Testament term demon, um, you'd have a better chance of understanding the biblical record um, yeah,
1: absolutely I, I had anybody ever told
0: you that literally meant divide the
1: term, the word yeah. demon?
0: It, it, well, exactly that
1: makes that. all the sense in the world,
3: doesn't it? Mm hmm. It does. A divider. A divide.
1: You know, and I can't think of more division than what we've experienced in our lifetime, uh, particularly this last four years, six, 10, 20, take your pick. Somebody is dividing us. Wow. On purpose. So maybe it's a divider, professional well, divider.
0: Well the interesting thing about the email that you sent, uh, was that it refers to the word devise. So divider and to devise that's an interesting component as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'd never
0: heard about the incubus.
1: I mean, I've heard the word lots. I didn't realize what it was. Mm-hmm. And that well, that all ma- makes sense.
0: And certainly, as we see as, as far as the late 14th century, to sever the union or the connection with becoming separated into parts, uh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, separating it apart um, In other words, you're one in accord with God Therefore, I need to separate you out from that
1: Absolutely That's what I I thought You know, like right back to the garden That was his sole purpose was to divide those two from their God because that was the result of the disobedience. Sure was. And...
0: Objective accomplished.
1: Was... hmm And...
0: Uh, go ahead. I,
1: I was just... I lost my thought.
0: Well, and I, I was just going to say about that is that mission accomplished and, and um, you know, what we have is the record of that accomplishment, um, God's involvement in reversing what that accomplishment achieved, that separation. Mm-hmm. And that is the gospel then, story.
1: It is. And then on the
0: other hand, our
1: God said, if if there's any dividing going to be done, I'll do it in terms of my people. And so come out from amongst them and be holy. There's some dividing going on there, isn't there? So, So if you start contextualizing all this stuff, you uh, you you get better understanding. There's no doubt about it, and and our God is an awesome God. I I got a text from John Friedrich, and you just shake your head and and say our God is an awesome God because uh, they marked that young lady off as gone. One of the right. uh, one one of the guys that was in the pickup tr- the. EMS, yeah. Uh, mentioned that that one in the back is is brain dead or something that effect. Sure. And he sent me a thing and just said, you know, I told him all the
3: glory to God, brother.
1: That's where you put it when something like that happens. You give him all the glory.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, uh, most definitely. And well, we put I those things in prayer. Ch- yeah, and we put those things in prayer as brothers, you know. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know that a couple of weeks ago, we I kind of brushed on this aspect of unity. You know, the word church is another one of these words. I was having a conversation with a gentleman today that I called in for some service, um, uh, and. You know he's a Christian. You can tell. Had the conversation mm-hmm. goes well, he wants to serve but, mm-hmm. and be obedient. And um, there's so much baggage that that we are carrying. And the question came up: Do I do I just not worry about these things that that have created the baggage and and go with the one thing which I know, which is um, believe on Him, trust in Him, and cast cares upon Him, and you know the the things of that nature. And and um, I, I said, well, certainly. However, there is one thing I want to say about the baggage. We do a great disservice when we go out and we're having a conversation just like you and I are, I said, Mm -hmm. and if one or the other carries some of that baggage into the conversation, um, and there is another one who is likely to be um, fertilized, we do a great disservice to that person because that baggage to the you know, to the intellect, I guess, or to the individual who's trying to think logically, rationally, etc., some of that baggage just makes them want to shake their head and walk away from further fertilization. And he said, you know, I, he said that's that's a very interesting way you put that. He says I I I admit that. I I found myself just thinking, I I won't worry about those things, even his own shortcomings in his knowledge of Scripture and so forth. And I said, you know, like I just expressed here, my only caveat to that is that we do a great disservice to, to those who might be fertilized by it. And I don't know if everybody understands what I'm saying by that, um, but if you know, if I if I come out start start talking about you know, well, Satan's you know got his thing. You know, this is all biblical mm-hmm. prophecy. You know, this is Satan's world. Uh, all of these kinds mm-hmm. of things.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, it becomes something that uh, is is damaging to the body. Mm-hmm. Number one. And secondly, it's, it's, it's problematic in terms of fertilizing those who God is calling and is amongst your mix, midst trying to be fertilized. And so it is incumbent upon each and every one of us, as the scripture says, to study, to show ourselves approved, and to rightly divide the word of truth. And if you're honest about much of what you see in the epistles in the New Testament, we have that very issue that's being expressed because those epistles were obviously addressing situations that were going on. And sometimes that's missed is understanding that there were issues going on and the epistles are relative to the the record of how those issues were being handled. And that's not insignificant. And so here we are today conversing with one another and conversing with like minded individuals who likewise want to bear the name of Christ as Christ's sons. And we have to be vigilant do not spoil the seed that is being called by bad doctrine and so forth. Um, I hope that all makes sense as to what I'm trying to convey. Well,
1: I don't know what you had in store for not, I just... Um, I don't know what spawned that thought, but I was going to ask you what you yeah, thought well, about
0: it. Yeah, I think it's quite quite interesting. And again, it goes to one of these doctrines that if we don't have a handle on it, it it's the same thing I was trying to discuss it with baptism here a couple of weeks ago also. And last week's message about you know, you can't, you can't say you love God if you disavow his, his laws, statutes, and judgments because he commanded us to keep them. So how can you say that you love him and so forth if you are, are not at least acknowledging those and therefore trying to live in them? And this, again, this has nothing to do with Old Covenant sacrifices and so forth ordinances that were done away at the cross and um, if we don't have a command for these things and a command upon them then it becomes really problematic in how we continue Mm -hmm. to fertilize those that are coming to us so i i think it makes sense and i didn't really have anything i've had everything for me in the last six weeks has hardly changed a beat. And um, I haven't gotten near as much time uh, able to uh, put into some thoughts. But I had started a, a little bit of a thought some time ago about original sin. And um, mm-hmm. I hadn't fully developed it, but I, as I often do, I try to think about the doctrine in terms of what is it that I'm required to believe, you know, and I've expressed that uh-huh. to those of you on the fellowship in the past. And um, I, I found myself asking, where is it recorded that Christ taught the theology of original sin? And basically asked myself, provide the scriptural text mm-hmm. and if we were to go to a scripture just to provoke the thoughts and to move our our thoughts in that direction like I say I haven't developed this completely I'm you know I'm thinking and thinking out loud and of course I make notes and so forth and so I thought well for lack of anything else I might go ahead and and start this um, I'm going to work on my revelations um, um, well, dialogue and so forth for, for future future ones that I, I don't want to do now because I want to, once I start that, I want to at least make sure that we probably carry through for a few um, fellowships well, so that it has some cohesiveness. Go ahead.
1: Let me say this. We just heard several weeks ago a doctor talked about um, DNA changing uh, going on within our molecules by way of a injection, and this is what we are told to believe actually happened with with Adam. That that now, ever since Adam. Adam changed the DNA, and now we're born corrupted, right? Because yeah. of Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and so from that point till now, everybody's
0: born corrupt. Yeah, and, exactly, and and that that's exactly the direction that I was approaching it from to get an understanding. In other words, as I say, I Mm -hmm. have to look at the doctrine and say, what is it that the doctrine is requiring me to believe? And Mm -hmm. as I say, I don't have this developed out where it'll make logical, cohesive sense probably, but turn over to John chapter 9, and I'll, I'll begin with something here at uh, verse 1 in John chapter 9, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Let's just stop on that for one minute, maybe a couple minutes, maybe three or four. Isn't that... Those two verses, in those two verses, it seems to me that there is a whole lot that an individual can understand. The first thing that I understand from this is we have a man that's blind from birth. In verse 2, we have disciples who believe something. That the person who sinned, either the man or his parents, must be the reason that he was born blind. Are you following the way that I I approach and think? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think about what it is that these guys must have believed. They and I think that that's yeah. I've got it. I I'm, I must believe that they had some beliefs for the purpose of answering the question, and that's not insignificant to me. So when I read that, I say, hmm. Wait a minute. There must have been some preconceived notion, preconceived ideas, and I need to develop an understanding for what those. Ideas might have been. Now, <laughs> that kind of approach takes a long time to, to see where it is that you're going to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, anyhow, um, good when, evening, uh, gentlemen. Hey, good evening, Rich. Hey, are um, you recording? Uh, yeah, I did hit the recording already. Thank you. See, in verse 34, it says of John chapter 9, it says, They answered and said unto him, Thou was altogether born in sins, and dost thou now teach us? And they cast him out. That tells me something else about their beliefs at the time their preconceived notions, their preconceived ideas. They answered and said unto him, thou was altogether born sin. And, and who was this? this? This person they were responding to and were now offended by and affronted by the audacity of this original sin concept in their mind, so to speak, Uh, They cast him out, because who are you to now teach us? The very man who now had eyes to see. And we understand spiritually the whole concept here is the idea that a man born blind could could now see. So that has its own connotation and its own uh, spiritual understanding. So, but if we understand the command of God, flipping back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, then and I, I, I say, hmm, okay, this is, this is the Word. This is what the Word says. And now I've got to reconcile the doctrine or the belief that seems to be present in those people's mind in John chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, because we didn't even get 3 and 4, but I'll come back to that. Deuteronomy 24, and verse 16. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. So, that's that's God's position. That's the way he believes, if you will. That's the divine plan. That is the divine immutable understanding. And so now, back to John chapter 9, verse 1 to 4. Going on from verse 2, Jesus answers in verse 3, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. So he pointedly tells them that their philosophy, their doctrine, their understanding, their preconceived notion and idea that they held in verse 2 was incorrect. And the correct understanding was that there was, and it clearly shows that they did not understand the law. They. While professing to know the law, professing to know God, professing all the things that they profess to be doing, as Jesus said, do everything they say, but don't do as they do, because they say but they do not. So here they were, professing something in their mind that Jesus once again corrected them on. And So we might say, oh, well, this is just one particular case, and there was certainly a a divine uh, intention with this particular case. He intended to open open the eyes of this blind man, uh, obviously for the miraculous work that it would be, to be more evidence that this man, as verse uh, 32 says, since the world was, is it not heard that any man Open the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Um, so, so the man specifically you know, tells him, you know, look at the work, man. Look at the fruit. You know, If this man is not of God... How could this fruit be done? Have you any knowledge of anywhere ever being known anywhere in the world that a man born blind received his sight? And of course they they shut him up because if that word got out, well, people would bow down and worship this individual, which rightfully he intended they should. <laughs> uh. So as I think about original sin and stuff, like I said, the, I have some notes. I've never developed the notes out into something that I've prepared to, uh, you know, put into a message or anything else. So I thought, well, um, I've been thinking about this for several months and have some some particular notes. So um, uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll open the door with this since, since it might be something that would be of interest. So, um, you know, Ezekiel 18.20 is another example of where the fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither children be put to death for fathers. And so someone might say, well, we're talking about death. We're not talking about a a person being made uh, uh, to see that was once blind. But ask yourself an important question. Um, when you consider a message that we did, warning, beware lest you die in your sins, we have to ask this question, did Christ die for the sins of Israel? Only? Or did he die for the sins of the world? Only. Or did he die that he might remarry Israel after all who was it that actually sinned Israel that's exactly right so by forgiving the sin of adultery which was imputed to her that is Israel by the vow of the covenant of marriage Christ performed a work that that work might be made manifest. And that work being the work of God. Just as he says here, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made. If you're honest with the scriptures, you could even say that Christ was saying that this man nor his mother even sinned. So do we take that Literally, that here was a man and here was a woman that were without sin? No, the totality of the scripture says that that concept or preconceived notion, idea, or belief that we would take from that scripture would not be scriptural because it does not coincide with the totality of the doctrines, the parables, the allegories, the visions, the prophecies, the metaphors, and the scriptures themselves together. Mm -hmm. So in in order to get an understanding, we have to take the totality of it. And so Mm -hmm. here I find that the... Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and then... Like in any study, we have to ask ourselves, who would benefit from that doctrine? I mean, is it helping somebody uh, promote some way, possibly uh, to profit? You know, you have to look at things like that.
0: Well, absolutely. That's a great point, because in 9.2, that's one of the other things that it, it puts into my mind as a preconceived notion, idea, or doctrine that they would have already had in their mind. And who would benefit from that doctrine or that preconceived notion, idea, and belief that they would thus then tell others likewise? and And that's exactly what you see in a lot of the church world Uh, at least in the early goings you know you had women who were told that it must have been sins that they had committed that their children had various you know diseases or maladies or deformations Mm -hmm. or any of these other things and then they felt like that child that was born was going to languish in purgatory without a soul or anything else i mean the you know the the doc, the record is replete with with doctrines and um, perceptions that were clearly erroneous but yet the church peddled them in order to essentially profit by them by having you come to them give peace offerings and um, Indulgences as we progress through time and so forth, in order to absolve oneself of the sin or to um, absolve the sin itself. And so that's another issue that, or a belief that could be presented there just from one tiny little scripture. Yeah, I mean,
1: what if you had the potion? to cure the guilt. Uh, you know, you just had to buy a little bit every week. Exactly. Uh, think of the, the guilt the parents would carry with them for life. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, what can I do to stop this pain? Well, we just happen to have some over here. Uh, this is what you have to do for the church.
0: And mm-hmm. then what if, and then what if, in their own logical reasoning, they began to question those things, and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, um, I'm looking for the word anguished mm-hmm. about that as well, and, mm-hmm. and how it is that they really needed truthful answers to. But flip over to Genesis chapter 10, somebody can flip to Matthew chapter 1, I really don't know what scripture I'm looking for in Matthew 1, but, um, oh, oh, I I know, you don't need to go to Matthew 1 and and Luke 3, I wrote those down as as thoughts to me with regards to um, the genealogical record that I'm going to go to uh, in reference to Genesis chapter 10. And we don't have to necessarily read through things in in the genealogical reference here at Genesis 10 either. But the point is is that the genealogical record of Adam of Genesis 10, Matthew 1, Luke 3 can be fairly accurately determined to date to a period of time beginning around 4,000 years B.C. And the archaeological evidence of the existence of men or man before this time would indicate the quote-unquote fall of man, if you will, as a result of Adam's sin to be really quite a dubious distinction. Now, I know I said that maybe fast. Did everybody catch what I'm saying about that? If we well, can say, if we can say that the genealogical record of Genesis ten, that also provided for us in Matthew one and that also provided for us in Luke chapter three, can be fairly accurately defined to a period of time. And that period of time seems to be beginning around four thousand BC. So if we can ascertain that and yet the archaeological evidence of the existence of men before that time how can we then say that the quote fall of man was a result of adam's sin that does that help
1: yeah well we got some explaining to do
0: right we've got some explaining to do so we have to be asking ourselves, what does the doctrine require me to believe? So, from a starting point of what is the doctrine requiring me to believe, I, I have to you know, ask this serious question, which really creates quite a dubious uh, issue. And, and a dubious issue meaning, meaning the distinction that original sin begins with Adam. Um, If we know that people died before Adam because their remains are in the ground that the archaeological diggers have dug for and found, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I have to consider that this dubious distinction that because of Adam, we all now die. There's something the Chinese, wrong.
1: The Chinese can go back thirty thousand, forty, fifty thousand yes. years. So yeah, there's a problem now.
0: So so now this this dubious distinction that you know original sin originated with Adam, um this somebody's gotta answer. Well, Doug, they were good till Adam. Then it went bad. But then why die?
3: Because the, <laughs>
0: the, the, the biblical record said that sin leads to death.
3: So those so Chinese we, would,
0: we wouldn't we wouldn't have we wouldn't have any archaeological record. All right. And so the point is, um, Genesis chapter one, verse twenty seven indicates that God created man in his own image, male and female, he created created them. And then at Genesis two eight it records that the man he formed is the subject of the record. He placed in a garden, east of Eden. So you have in Genesis 1.27 God creating man in his own image, male and female, he created him. And Genesis 2.8 records that the man he formed, what man? The man is the subject of the record, he placed in a garden in the east of Eden. Man therefore has existence prior to Adam. Adam is simply that man which the record of 2-8 reflects are you following me Mm -hmm. or the record reflects the genealogical record of Adam so the theology thus required to conclude the life of man upon the earth was without death and the earth was life and life only before Adam there there's a little bit of a of a conflict that has to be resolved
1: yeah and and there is clear history to
0: reflect that Adam had an impact
1: on mankind uh, well
0: certainly the genealogical record of Adam
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because that's what the biblical record is from Genesis 10 on Mm -hmm. and what you excuse me
1: I was just going to say so Adam was kind of the original influencer for God's people
0: According um, to the but, genealogical record of Adam,
1: but this was prior to Abraham. That's but correct. We we must remember Noah.
0: So that is correct so, also. Yeah. But all I'm all I'm trying to express is that is that we we have to break that genealogical record up according to the way the Bible has done so. But the church world, for the most part, has amalgamated it into one. And by doing so, has created a doctrine that has problems. So, if God set into motion a plan through Adam execution and during the execution of that plan that Adam failed in some specific element in being faithfully executed, the plan would suffer an imputed suffrage, and that would emanate or ripple throughout the plan or the project until such time as the failure or so forth could be could be corrected, or the plan was in motion to have it corrected so, right, Russell, that's exactly what you essentially said um, in terms of, it's why I keep saying, the genealogical record of Adam. And and this is why it's important, as I was talking to the fellow today, we have to understand our own biblical record enough to be able to correct the doctrine, because if we don't, we're peddling the same propaganda why should we be complaining about the propaganda of a monarchy or a um, a, a democratic republic or any one of these other alphabet organized uh, uh, government systems of the world if we can't even correct the own propaganda within the biblical record that is there for us as a record it's not not God's idea that we should confuse words and confound um, things into our own, you know, ideological sphere or our own belief system, we're supposed to rightly divide the information Mm -hmm. that we have. And if we're not, you know, we are in some respects a problem for our own kind, our own people, our own, you know, and the best analogy of that would be Russell has a historic, has a family history. If Russell allows somebody in the family history to alter the family history and Russell's got to say, no, that's not right. Or um, Rich says, no, that's, that's not right. You're, you're putting something into the genealogical history that's not correct. I'm not, I can't allow you to put that in. It's incorrect. You would do the same thing. You would correct Mm -hmm. it. And so I tried to express to this man today that we can't just take a cavalier look at it and say, well, I'm just going to believe in Jesus and I'm going to tell others to do it and all the reasons why I do and, and that should be good enough. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to judge him in that basis. I was trying to express to him how I see these things as being more important than that. And as Pastor Peters thought, you know, if you had an inheritance coming, wouldn't you want to know it? Or would you want the propagandist attorney or the estate uh, leader uh, to... to tell you all sorts of stuff until the day you are about to die and then he says oh by the way you know your father or you know whatever did this and it's in in the state for you and and all you can do is you know nod your eyes at him and that you acknowledge it and now you're dead and so he says well gee I did my job I told the old man that you know there was inheritance that was left for him and well, now as part of the, the directives in the inheritance, I get to say, well, he's now dead because the directives say that if he dies, then I move to step B. And step B is the old widow, and she's about to die. And if I hang on here long enough, the estate director is supposed to parse it out however he sees fit. I mean, you'd be a little bit upset to know that you missed out. On whatever was there. Well, in the same sense, we can't allow that to happen. And it really frustrates me when people just want to take kind of a cavalier approach and say, well, you know, I, I guess I've kind of looked at it that, you know, that's not for me to worry about. And maybe that's just me. And, and maybe I'm missing something and I don't have to bother myself with it. But you know, honestly, one could say that because Adam failed, a faithful execution of the initial directive that was given to him, the entire project, that is life with God, derailed or had an obvious end as a result of the failure. And in this sense, his sin is imputed to us. And the latter intention or implements of of the project, you know, he he, he was unable to, to execute on. And we use this type of language, I think, to introduce or explain the entry point of Adam's failures to foresee the result of the unfaithful execution of the plan and the directives and the subsequent imminent fall or failure, the unintended consequences, if you will, of the the failure of, of carrying out on the plan. And so, unless something is done or can be figured out to correct the failure, it's, its destruction is going to be in, in, just imminent. And mm-hmm. so, descriptively in this scripture, we you know we use or in the scriptures we use Adam in this case to exhibit to others the evils inherent in the failure of the faithful execution of the plan or the intention, and how the other participants in the plan are are subsequently to be affected and. And I think this is a correct understanding is that when we say that.
3: Well,
1: go ahead. You know, growing up, I remember there was something in one of the school books with Adam's ball, we send all, or something like that. All right. And I was wa- watching them interview this beastly creature that's singing uh he's he's got the whole singing place all weirded out because he's got a video of him descending into hell and copulating with Satan and they asked him about it and he said, Well the way I see it I was born a sinner and I was going to hell from day one. So why not rev it up? And you kinda understand (laughs) <laughs> what he's what he's come
2: to
3: with yeah, this doctor? This gen-
0: yeah, this gentleman today veered into the same thing. Is he said, um, I you know brought up hell in the co- in the conversation, and I said, and what exactly is hell? And and this is really problematic. This is so problematic because. <laughs> If the word translated is Gehenna or the grave, then there's another preconceived notion or idea about hell. What he perceives hell to be. And that's the reason for pointing out such a simple little scripture as we did in Mark 9, one to four is if you're paying attention to what it is you're reading, you, you have to conclude there are a couple, three immediate doctrines or immediate perceived beliefs that these individuals have that Christ, you know. And, and think about it. You're, here you are here to fulfill the, the will of God And you have people who have all sorts of misconceptions all rolled up into just one little question or two that they roll out. And you understand that that's the way we find ourselves too. We find ourselves where we have, in just a simple little conversation, two or three or four or a half a dozen false conclusions, perceptions, ideas, Doctrines manifesting from the lips of that individual that we're talking with, and so as I say, these are a couple of the first you know things that I began to tackle in my mind as I lay out the groundwork for how I'm going to get into study on it. And so the reason I thought maybe I'd just throw it out here tonight, uh, in part because I've just been so overwhelmed here the last six weeks that I I just have not got good study time in, and I'm a little bit fractured in all the, the things that I've, I've been wanting to kind of conclude some studies on. But this one here, you know, the the doctrine of original sin was one of them. Now, the third item, so I gave you the first two items of some thinking that I had, and then the third one was that All men are basically guilty according to the doctrine because we're all descended from Adam. And thus we've inherited Adam's sin and are guilty. Well, you know, everybody on this fellowship, we've understood that biblical record in there from Genesis 10 on, there's no escaping it. We are dealing with the genealogical record of the descendants of Adam, and no others. Others are discussed periodically from time to time in relationship to the genealogical descendants of Adam. So again, if all men are guilty and all are descended from Adam, this is an incorrect doctrine or an incorrect theology because we know just by studying the biblical record from Genesis 10 on, we're talking about only the genealogical record of Adam, not any other individuals at all. Somebody can feel free to correct me on that. As I say, from time to time, there's mention of others that are not genealogical descendants of Adam.
1: Well, so this and requires... here's. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Well, uh, this requires that... one to believe... This requires one to believe that from one man came all men. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And right there, we're right. We're we're right back at another conflict that the church itself has created.
3: Well, let me mention this:
1: that when one questions the hierarchy of the modern day church, because I did it, I saw it, I was part of it. I was in a church that was separated from another church, and we fellowshiped for months and months and months and months, and then one night the preacher stood up and said, we are going to incorporate. And I stood up, and I said, why? And I was told that we want to be a legal church. And I said, have we been illegal up to this point? <laughs> and I was asked to leave.
0: <laughs> I mean, that is absolutely priceless. It really is. Uh, and that's the mentality. That is the exactly, you know, what we're dealing with. If, if this requires us to believe that from one man came all men, and roughly... Four to six thousand years ago, give or take a couple thousand, I guess. Regardless of all the archaeological confirmations to the contrary, and including all the dating methods of the past, you know, five hundred or more years to to confirm these things, um, and that it pertains to a biblical uh, to that biblical record, then it has to pertain to those people that are actually the descendants of Adam. And it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's problematic, and I don't know how else to, to try to address it, but if you look at Genesis chapter 5, Genesis 10, Genesis chapter 11... And certainly, as I said, the Matthew 1, 1-17 record, and the uh, Luke three twenty three to 38 um, th- <clears throat> it provides basically the, a, a really concise genealogical record, and whatever the activity of men before man must be in uh, other records, if any exists at all, or in a form. Not as historically written in this Hebrew record that we have, called the Bible, in this 66 collection of of books. Um,
1: well, so another way, I mean, here's something I'm thinking about as you for saying all this. Did you you know, let's say that the original sin was correct, but the way we would say it is for the house of Israel or or for the you know the house of adam this is where the origins of sin came from would that be a better way of saying something like that instead of thinking yeah, the whole world right thinking just the house of adam
0: be right exactly that would and, be a more correct or literal interpretation if you will you know i hate to use the word interpretation but clearly the other interpretation has a problem and and that's what's kind of got the church in a problem because it 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 makes a mockery essentially and people that are trying to use their brains for thinking look at it and say well this is a bunch of hooey you know this (laughs) <laughs> just logically just logically thinking through this um this can't even be you know doesn't even make sense the way that it's been put together and peddled out here uh, you know by an organized church if you will so yes absolutely we could we could say that something happened with Adam which clearly affected um you know those that would follow well. after and it, go ahead.
1: Here's something to think about too. When the lady got through with all of her menfolk accusing her of all kinds of things, what did Jesus say to her? Go
0: Remember what he said,
3: more. Doug. He said, "Go, go and
1: sin, because you're a born sinner. Keep it up."
0: That's right. That's right. That's
1: point. Well, you can't help it. If if we're condemned from birth with the original sin idea, you know, isn't that kind of a problem for? <laughs> what's the point? So you know, any kid that dies <laughs> before age of accountability, I mean, I mean, what about age of accountability? What about children that die? They just get well, burned.
0: Very good point. Now you recall in the New Testament. um, um. What? Um. I'm trying to remember where that is. Um. Yeah, I got it. I know exactly where that is. After the Faith Hall of Fame or the Works Hall of Fame. Uh, flip over to Hebrews now that you mentioned that, Esther. Mm-hmm. And then Hebrews chapter um, 3 or 1. Oh, shoot, do I have that wrong in my head?
1: give me a of Esther can look it up he's got the
0: I was thinking it was in it was in twelve or thirteen uh, but it's a scripture that says before uh, either Jacob or Esau had sin um, I'm looking in twelve of Hebrew um, lest there be any fornicator who has Esau um, Uh, if you recall the scripture, he says that before the children had known good or evil or something of that nature, um, he already knew um, who was going to receive the inheritance. Um, That scripture's not coming to mind to anybody Mm -hmm.
2: else.
0: Well, wait,
1: tell me how it goes again.
0: it's, um, It's um, I believe it's an epistle from Paul. I was thinking it was Hebrews. And he, he said before the children knew uh, good or evil, um, it was already essentially known that um, that Jacob was uh, with the birthright. The,
1: okay. <clears throat> I think maybe it's Romans 9-11. And then going to even the Old Testament, Isaiah seven sixteen.
0: Let's look at Romans nine eleven. I I don't know why I kept thinking Hebrews there, and maybe that sidetracked me.
1: Because that's uh, well, I think Isaiah is having the wordage that you're you're thinking of.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Here it is. Here it is. You're right on Romans. All right, Romans chapter nine. For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And and he's explaining, Paul is explaining to the Romans that the children of the promise are counted for the seed. This is the word of promise, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children. Being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that called. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I don't know why that didn't pop into my head as far as the ending of that, because we all know it all too well, probably, and I just could not... uh, for the life of me, I kept thinking it was Hebrews. So that goes to the very issue that you're saying there, um, Esther, that you point you had brought up. Because um, exactly the idea of that original sin makes no sense with this scripture that we just read in Romans nine, nine to eleven. So again, it, it has a problem, and why these problems haven't been corrected. <laughs> In the last 2,000 years, I, I don't understand, unless it's for the purpose of you know, continued propaganda, basically. And propaganda to, to the detriment of, of the called of Jacob Israel. And when you look at the word Adam, it's number 119 in Strong's, it means to be dyed or made red or ruddy to show blood in the face, i.e. flush, uh, ah, ah-dom, ah-dom, or adam, to turn rosy. And this word ah, um, ah-dom is descriptive of the man. See, the name is not just the name. It was actually descriptive. You see what I'm saying? Just like Abraham's name was Abra, his, his name was Abram. When his name was changed to Abraham, it had meaning, and the meaning of Abraham was father of many. Right. In the same, in the same way, Adam was descriptive of the man. And when you yep. that, I'm sorry. Go ahead, you guys.
1: When you study German, that is one of the unique aspects of the German language. That that the surnames were descriptions of the trade or, or what they were. So Mr. Schmidt was a, a smith, uh, worked with iron, and you know, on and on and on. And that's very similar to what you're talking about, (laughs) about. Mr. Schumacher. Hopefully, the Esther's were good bakers or cookers of some sort. <laughs> they had a talent it. <laughs> <talented>. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Well, that is that's really interesting because, and, and that's the whole point that. that that is what is very important about the Hebrew language and so forth, and so. Um so again this requires us to ask the question if men before Adam were therefore not subject to this guilt you know this this guilt of original sin if you will and if they were not why not and why are those that are after Adam to suffer under a punishment or a curse upon all man if well, if I'm not if I'm not to be, if I'm not to be, if the children are not to be put to death for the sins of the father, and yet Adam sinned and in Adam all die, there must be some understanding that we have that's incorrect in our interpretation of what those scriptures say.
1: Well, think of this. I remember when I was getting, uh, how do you call it? Um, some spankings as a young child. I can remember trying this one on mother or daddy. I can't help it. I was born this way. <laughs> it didn't work.
0: <laughs> They'd have
1: to beat the devil out of me. <laughs> and you think about that. You could make that case, couldn't you? I can't help it. I was born this way.
0: Oh yeah. Well, there's been many that have made that case. Whether it has procured any favor or not, I have no idea.
1: Well, the church backs them
0: up. It's it's another one of those escapisms, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the, what did they call it? What's the goat? Um, the, uh, it's
1: everybody but
0: me is responsible. Everybody else, oh, but not me. What's the, what's the term I'm looking at? Um, scapegoat. They put their sin, uh, the scapegoat, I guess that's what it was, Rich, right? Yeah. Yep. Scapegoat. Yeah. So they cast their, their, their sin upon the scapegoat. <laughs> so, but, um, so as I say, as I started thinking about these, these um, you know, theologies, I try to, to look at it and ask what the, what the doctrine is requiring me to believe. And um, these are some of the questions um, that I've thrown out to myself in order to try to find answers and to arrive at answers. Uh, and actually, when you think about it, all of those after Adam suffering under a, a punishment or a curse upon all man, it requires us basically to see God as, as really unjust for punishment of an offense of another at another time or place in which others had no part or knowledge. And that thought popped into my head as I was thinking about our condition with regards to these man-made governments. We're required to to just suffer under these man-made governments because we seem to have no ability to effect change. No matter how we structure these man-made governments, we suffer under them. As, as the injustices continue to grow and mount. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I don't see any reason why God wants us to see him as unjust and unfair and being punished for the offenses of another. So then I gave myself an answer to that and said, well, that's why he gave his only begotten son, that the world through him, might be reconciled unto him, recovered from him. Well, that had some additional problems to me in my mind as well. I wrote a couple more questions and thoughts uh, pertinent to that. But these are general foundational principles which put in question the doctrine or theology of original sin. And as you just Learn hopefully they're merely just questioning of the doctrine there and this idea of universal sin or original sin and and the imputation of sin or federal headship of sin and so forth. Um, I, I think there's some things that and I'm sure there's probably some pastors that that have know a command of this and and have answers. I'm just not sure that every answer is is going to stand up to the test of an individual um challenging question. And I well, never Go ahead.
1: I think I told you Esther when you were younger. I, I hope I did. There's just a few things in this Bible that we don't understand. Or But it's okay to ask the question, I think. And maybe we can come to an understanding. Well, one thing I'm just thinking about as well is the modern-day church system has done a really good job of making it the Bible is all-inclusive instead of it being exclusive. And learning where there are you know maybe areas where there is you know some- um inclusive things, but there's a lot of it's just specifically for us we not you know from what I see and but if you go and talk to anybody they're all it's all based on everybody every time they can hear in the world yeah. that this was specifically for everyone you know, yeah exactly
0: yeah. Yeah, it is, a, mm-hmm. it is a, a, another one of those things that becomes uh, a part of the propaganda or the doctrine. But, you know, one of the things then that I asked myself another question on, I, I, I asked earlier a similar question. Um, where in Scripture do you recall Christ ever using a term such as original sin, inherited sin, imputed sin, or even referred to Adam as um,
1: referring to him as the father of sin?
0: As the father of sin, right. As as being all or everyone. You know, both questions there.
1: I haven't found and, it, but I'm sure it's in there. Okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Russell to that task in the upcoming <laughs> weeks. He can, he can he can go find that truth for me. That hey, ought to keep him ta- busy for a while.
1: How many times but, have you heard that that response? I don't yeah, know, but I yeah. know it's in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What is that old saying that our previous pastor used to say about? not so much that what you know ain't so. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. How did it go?
0: It ain't so so much what you know that ain't so. It's what you know that... It's what you think you know. (laughs) It just ain't so. that's, That's it. Yeah. It's what you think you know that just ain't so.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. We are
0: born well,
1: uh, programmed. I mean, we get yeah, programmed yeah. for the minute we come out.
0: Well, and, and I was just going to say, in the decades that followed Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and indeed before even two centuries had passed, much of the oral transmission about the gospel message of of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection was already inconsistent or even untrustworthy from whether it was from Tertullian to Calvin um, you can find the doctrine of original sin emanated from students of the Bible that call themselves theologians or church fathers and the benefit that we really have today is the multitude of historical manuscripts from which to draw from and the language lexicons and thesauruses which help us to determine accurate meanings in today's language as long as we won't pervert it with our preconceived notions and ideas and doctrines that we've been holding to and With all of this today, as I say, it seems hardly possible that we could actually get things wrong or indeed hold on to a belief or a doctrine or a theology due to these preconceived notions and beliefs. But just as you said, Russell, believe you me, we learn it and we hang on to it. and. I didn't mean this gentleman today any disrespect at all, but I, I was hoping to correct him in that he wouldn't cast it aside so cavalierly, the duty and the responsibility that we each, we each have to rightfully, rightly, I should say, divide the word. And
1: Why don't you, why don't you tell the audience the definition of cognitive dissonance? You remember that, don't you?
0: Well, yes, I I do. Um,
1: Uh It's prevalent when you hear the truth against the lie you've been taught since age two. mm -hmm. You You start saying, that just can't be so, or is it? And then you start digging and you find out it is true. You uh, you've been through some COVID fog, uh, through, through that learning about the lie. Exactly. And you could list you could list numerous, numerous of them, you know, that we've been so, told our whole life. So I believe this is brought up in our leadership meeting on Monday about cognitive dissonance and the example was your your subconscious he was treating the subconscious as that gut feeling and in the conscious you know being to think it was your subconscious was your gut feeling and then um, your conscience being you know Making irrational decisions at time, is that is that correct as far as the idea of that of, uh, of what you were saying? Well,
0: then? well, let's let's just let's just say it like this. It's a psychology. So, yeah. as or to as or to answer your question, if I'm trying to talk to a group of electricians, mm-hmm. I might tell them that cognitive dissonance is this and i might relate it to if your gut says yeah this is the right way to do this uh or your gut is saying it isn't and yet your brain says well i can get by with this or whatever i I don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know in what context and so forth he was doing that but let's just suffice it to say that it's it's basically a psychological aspect, but the cognitive dissident aspect is, is that you're holding a person you're holding your ideas or your belief or things uh, that are pertinent, whatever it may be. and in the case of you know an electrician and so forth, you're holding what those things are the value or the belief and so forth, and how you're going to uh, work around that in order to keep your head um, uh, from doing what you know your gut or your heart wants to do. Now the best example right. spiritually would be Paul's reference to what I what I do I hate what I hate what I do not is that which I ought to do. Um, you know, so we struggle with that with our own spiritual uh, aspects. Is that we know things which we've been taught are wrong and sinful mm-hmm. and yet there's if there's a propensity to want to veer off the path and go ahead and take a bite of the apple just to see how the bite tastes and thinking that oh boy it, it, it really didn't taste too bad maybe i could do it again um but you know and there there's various ways I guess to to approach it but cognitive dissonance is that you know what is good and right and wholesome and then you you elect to do the alternative Uh, it's clearly a psychological aspect
1: well I'm just thinking
0: thinking
1: about I'm just thinking about so we're saying it's psychological I'm also just thinking about the overall brainwashing of children as they grow into adults Mm-hmm. training that that, uh, that aspect of your mind, you know, to where well, when they do hear truth, they see it as a lie because they've been trained from the beginning. You know, they, these habits have been established at a young age
2: well, well,
1: where they, okay. they don't recognize truth as truth. It's a lie to them because what has been told to them as truth is a lie. Well, since we're making confessions, um, <clears throat> I'm thinking, now, I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, Jesus, I'm told Jesus was a beautiful redhead, light-complected, six-foot-two, um, very intelligent man. And uh, somebody can prove these things without question. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, and by the way, he wasn't Jewish. Okay, now I'm thinking, wait a minute. They tell me he's from the Middle East and that's all Arabic people and there's no way he could have red hair. And and he had to be a Jew because that's where Jerusalem is now. And so, and then the other side says, "But wait a minute, Uh, maybe this, uh, maybe there's some things you haven't learned that 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 don't mesh with that." And so, in your mind, dissonance is confusion. It's it's things not adding up. It's where you're saying, "Wait a minute, here, is it possible I've been lied to?" Or you know, your parents are not intentional liars. I mean, good parents do not lie on purpose. But they do pass information on. Right. And so right. uh, that can be a problem. Now, the good parent, let's say Dougie, Doug is my child, and he comes to me and goes, Daddy, uh, some things you've been teaching me that aren't adding up. And I go, Dougie, you know better than that. Now, tell me everything you know. And he proves some things. The good parent weighs this, introduces logic, and says, you know, Doug, you, you might have got me on that one. I might have been believing all I think, son. I appreciate that. You have helped me immensely. And I give him a, a mint stick or whatever, and he goes on. So. That's what I was kind of thinking of and cognitive dissonance. Uh, it's cognitive. It's it's the things you've been challenged. Now, what are you going to do with that challenge in your mind? Well, you know, and kind of speaking of the same the same thing. I I've been listening to a guy named and I don't know if Doug if you've heard of him before. Dad, I think Texas told you about him. But this James R. White, he's apologetic, and he teaches uh, basically how we got the Bible and how it came about, the different manuscripts that we got, how we got them. And he brought up just different things that were maybe added to the Bible or changed to the Bible that I would never heard of. And it was kind of an eye-opening thing where it's like, man, I really need to <laughs> dig a little deeper to find out, you know, the <laughs> the Bible in general, you know, and just why why we have these scriptures that we're toting around, how they came about, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And and yeah. to understand... Just these different things, that, these words that have been added or, or taken away, and, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's very interesting, and I, I'm starting to feel like it's more important, especially with our kids, <clears throat> and trying to to give them a good foundation.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, and 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 it's all the, I've often said that I think. Having children um, does just what you said, Esther. Is it it now creates a confirmation in your mind that this is kind of serious? Um, well, yeah. You you teach that you teach the child that the oven is hot and not to touch lest they should get harmed. Um, you would not in the. As possible degree, think that that was insignificant to teach that child that. And so I look at, at what has happened with us doctrinally and so forth as a church, as, as that term has become known and used and so forth in societies today. And I say, you know, this is a very problematic thing that why would we want to continue to teach this, this kind of thing? I would not want my child to, to learn something that was not correct. And so we spent a lot of time in our home trying to analyze these things and, and have an approach to things to make certain that what it is that we're saying or discussing about the scriptures is, is number one, correct, and it's not just a, a theological bias or a doctrine. And that's, that's part of that whole cognitive dissonance thing is, is biases and so forth that, that come into the dissonance as well. And um, so as you said, now as you approach your rearing of your own children, things are becoming more important to you in terms of how you want to ensure that they're going to be rightly trained and then that where it come back comes back to you and you think man you know I need to get some things figured out and get some things down pat so that I am going to do right by that generation that I'm raising and that's exactly what you're experiencing isn't it
2: Yeah, yep, I mean,
1: uh, it just, yeah, there's just a lot. (laughs) I'm trying to, we're we're trying to get, you know, uh, Ezra and Amy are starting a more traditional uh, school lessons and everything in September. So I'm just trying to make sure that we get kind of a good foundation going and yeah, and then all this absolutely. information, you know, just it's coming about, and it's like, man, I need to make sure I'm ready for for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's uh, that's you know, like I say, this this tonight, I didn't have anything particularly uh, put together, but I had been considering this idea of original sin, and and thought I. You know, maybe we we begin to open a door on it. It's not that we have to go here again next week or anything else. But the basically the center point of this universal or original sin, as I understand it, or this federal headship theology or doctrine arises basically out of the book of Romans. And I don't know why I hadn't considered that that scripture was in Romans. But you know, it was it was written by the apostle Paul just just before the destruction of the temple, probably around, oh, 45 to 60 A.D., and um, it was written to the Roman Israelites. And so there's a, a number of things that we could approach in, in Romans uh, to begin some, you know, general study on it and, and see if our understanding... Or what the scriptural intent was of Paul here is what the church world is 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 peddling, and and so forth. So, like I say, it's just one other one other thing that that we may need to get a better handle on. And I know we're pretty much up against the top of the hour here. And, Melissa had made a note in the chat that Arabs and Middle Eastern people are not the same. Arab means to mix. One thing about that comment that she makes is that there are a lot of people in the Middle uh, Eastern uh, regions that they are, um, you know, blue-eyed individuals as well, and and so forth, and they know. Um, who they are much more than, than other Middle Eastern, or excuse me, uh, European Eastern, Europeans and Americans know who they are and how they fit uh, biblically in the record, and that, that's a, a good point. So anyhow, that uh, I don't know if we got very far on some of the thoughts on that, but like I said, it was just kind of an, a door opener to some things that we can do in the future. And, and as I say, I am working on uh, a number of things with regards to the book of Revelation and approaching some things there that I, I am not ready. Um, when I start that, I think that we should have a sufficient amount of time to keep moving with it and you know carry it for several fellowships so we keep it all fresh in our thoughts and our minds and um, I think that'll probably be a good way to go about that. So I probably have maybe four or five fellowships already on it, um, and I don't want us to get bogged down drawing some things up on it initially without fully getting it analyzed out in my thoughts and laid out so that if we do divert, we divert with a good Diversion plan in place uh, and can get back on point. Then you know so and and have a mm-hmm. response uh, you know to to any diversions that we might you know wind up coming into. So those are just mm-hmm. things I'm trying that I'm trying to do with preparing that. And hopefully in the next few weeks some things are going to slow down for me and I'll be able to do that. Um, so I'd like to uh, I'd like to add. say a prayer absolutely
1: if you, if you if you don't have anything else to add to or take from the fellowship
0: close prayer
1: okay Lord creator of the universe up on high Father you know that that my son Texas and my son Esther have been afflicted with really hard to explain things. And Esther's eyes need, need your, your healing. And my son Texas needs your healing with this weird virus that's come upon him out of nowhere. So, Lord, I'm joining hands with these people through the telephone. And we are asking you to fix this or heal them in a most humble way, strictly because we know who you are. And you're the one that we come to in times of afflictions. So, Father, please hear my prayer of healing for for these two boys and then meet the needs of all the other family members, of course and meet the needs of our study group people. And then, Lord, when you, when you do answer our prayer, may we never forget and always, always glorify you in it above all. I thank you, Lord, and I certainly expect you don't hear my prayer.
0: To you, uh, more than two gathered together, calling upon your name, asking for our great intercessor that gave us to bring these words to you in the most way possible. Father, one thing that I remembered here in the last couple weeks is calling on prayer, calling on you in prayer, our immediate interest I guess that we would consider that our request the only request out there or the only need we have and I was reminded by your spirit the other day that the very day that you hung on that cross, that cup could pass from you. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Amen. made me pause and say, oh, Father, it's easy for us to ask things that we would want that are within our will. Nevertheless, Father, I will be done. Mm-hmm.
2: These
0: prayer requests and these requests for healing, that your will would be done in In Amen. We get to glorify and give praise and thanks. Lord, as Brother Russell said, there are definite things that are happening. Father, we just lift so much up to you that is overwhelming the past several weeks. Pray your blessing upon Anna, Isaac. We'll see it that growing. Amen. So delighted to know that your will is being done there again. So thankful Mm -hmm. opportunity to once again watch nurture child. They have more offspring. that it, you will. Pray for these mothers that are holding households together, also with begging. Father, that You be with. There are people that that they can bless family and bless them in all that they do. Continue to shepherd your sheep. Holy Spirit, Father, guide and direct us. Father, we pray your protection each and all of those that are yours. Father, just as special again knowing the conversation that Russell had with John and the joy that he has in her handiwork in his daughter. So abundantly blessed by your wonderful. Praise and glory for all these things Mm -hmm. Upon us in the last year Mm -hmm.
2: Guidance
0: That you've given
3: Amen, Father. Heal these people. Take down these viruses. Take down all these evils that have been foisted upon your people. Protect them and deliver them from evil. Make them younger and stronger and wiser than ever before. Yes. In Jesus' name, we claim that healing power and the stripes laid upon his back. It is said that he cured our infirmities and our sicknesses, and we believe it. Mm -hmm. Lord, may your will be our will. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. 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 Did I lose you, Doug? Oh,
0: I'm just soaking in (laughs) You're
1: breathing breathing in that sweet aroma. Well, you you were cutting out there for a while. Thank you, Rich, and good night, everybody.
0: Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. All right. Good night all.